Can you hear me? Amen. Anybody out there? Yeah. Great. I like to be loud. Loud is good. Yeah. Me and Mike. Yeah, loud. loud is good. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so we're on week four, would you believe, of a series entitled Becoming a Prophetic People. Amen. And you know, up until now, really we've been laying foundations uh, first week, we looked at having a prophetic heart, the importance really of us as a people being open to all things prophetic. Week two, we looked at having prophetic ears, how to hear what God is saying, right at the root of it, of course. Last week, week three, we looked at having prophetic eyes, how we draw revelation and inspiration from God's word. Today, uh, the title is Prophetic Voice. And so the big question really is, when God speaks to us, what do we do with that? When we've heard with our prophetic ears or seen with our prophetic eyes, how do we take the next step and communicate it? So, so here's the scenario. You feel that God has shown you something. Could be in church, could be in your connect group, could be in the middle of a conversation, it could be while you're praying privately for somebody, might, might be a verse of scripture, could be a picture, could be a word of encouragement or comfort, even something maybe a little bit more directional and specific than that. And the question is, what happens next? At this point, we must decide whether it should be communicated, when it should be communicated, how it should be communicated, and to whom it should be communicated. And that's our topic for today. Before I dive into that, just set the scene with a little background. The main body of scripture that deals with the prophetic world is 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. And to make a, a long story short here, sandwiched right in the middle of this fantastic and exciting and inspiring piece about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what they are and how they're to be used, a piece about how God spreads those gifts in diversity around his body and how we're all constituent parts of that. Right sandwiched in the middle of that is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we know as the love chapter. And that chapter's there as a plumb line. It's there as, as an anchor. And I think it's there as a caution. The stark reminder that that love will always be the underpinning factor in everything that God does. So 1 Corinthians 13 starts with this familiar verse, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2, if I had the gift of prophecy, here we go, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. 
carries on through that. You know that chapter, they read it at your wedding. Then we go through to verse 1 of the next chapter. And it says, let love be your highest goal. Then it goes on to the bit that we've been looking at, which says, but you should also desire the special ability, special gifts, the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. And then chapter 14 is written to a church that frankly had lost sight of love and humility. In their eagerness for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they'd become pretty chaotic. That there was quite a lot of showing off going on and it had become rather graceless. And so there's a whole chapter, chapter 14, devoted to how the gifts are to be used, by whom, in what way, and to what ends. Now, because, because it is anchored to cross and resurrection, New Testament prophecy has a different tone to Old Testament prophecy. We understand, don't we, that in the New Testament we live under grace and not under law. Anyone else glad about that? We live under grace and not under law. So, whereas Old Testament prophecy came from Mount Sinai, New Testament prophecy comes from Pentecost. Old Testament prophecy is in response to the actions of the first Adam. New Testament prophecy is in response to the actions of the second or the last Adam. Old Testament prophecy is offered in the light of future promise. Messianic hope. But New Testament prophecy is offered in the light of past promise. Signed, sealed and delivered by the blood of Jesus. So, New Testament prophecy has a different tone. It's not judgmental, though it might call for repentance. It's not legalistic, though it might expound biblical principle. It's not condemning, though it might be convicting. I mean, I was thinking about this. Romans 8, 1, we quote often, says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If there was no condemnation, why would God prophesy in a condemning way over his people? He, he just wouldn't. Has a different tone. So with that in mind, but back to our question, when God speaks, how do we, how should we, communicate it? What, if you like, is our prophetic voice? What should it sound like? What should it say? And my answer to that question simply would be, but we should bring it three ways. We should bring it, first of all, humbly. We should bring it, secondly, wisely. And we should bring it, thirdly, graciously. Yeah. We'll spend just a handful of minutes looking at each of those. You know, the reality is, and those of us who've been walking in charismatic circles, which does suggest round and round, doesn't it? But I don't mean it like that. that, that you, you've probably heard people who've done great damage by bringing the right thing in the wrong way 
to the wrong people at the wrong time. So is it going to be that, or are we going to sow that prophetic word as a seed? We're going to sow it in good ground and watch it produce a great harvest. Okay, so that's what we're dealing with. I'm going to talk first of all about bringing a prophetic word humbly. To be honest, I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly in this. I've seen people inspired and transformed by prophetic words. I've also seen it frighten the living daylight out of people who run a mile never to come back. And I haven't got time for the stories. I've seen the prophetic used skillfully and sensitively and inspirationally. I've also seen it used like a sledgehammer without any thought or wisdom or sensitivity. I've seen it used manipulatively to control and to pressurize. I was in a church once where whenever new people would come in, the pastor would always get a prophecy for them. I'll I'll leave it at that. What, What I'd say is, let's make sure that it's the former, not the latter on those lists. In fact, I'd say this. If you're going to claim to speak for God on his behalf and in his name, my recommendation is to do so with fear and trembling and great humility. Fortunately, we don't live in the Old Testament where the punishment for giving false testimony, sorry, false prophecy, was to be stoned to death. You know, I was thinking this week, you know, We don't hear much, thus saith the Lord, these days. You know, long discourses of of King James Version English, with the odds, says the Lord, randomly interspersed. Maybe that's the circles that we move in. In my experience, when it comes to the prophetic, English tend to see prophetic pictures. I think, as a rule, we're a sensitive and gentle lot. A lot less barking of thus saith the Lord with an angry expression from the front. So I would say, be very cautious saying thus saith the Lord. My recommendation would be to say something like this. I sense the Lord saying. I feel that God would say to us today. I'd say this, I think the best thing you can do is to humbly say it and then lovingly pray it. You'll see that modelled, I think, quite a lot around here. Something like this, I just have a strong sense from the Lord that there's a new season coming for you. That change is afoot. God, I pray into that. I thank you for so-and-so, Lord. At this time, I I just pray you'll draw close to her, that that you'll open her heart to hear what you have to say, that you'll lead her through the next phase in her life, and that if something new is coming, I pray that she would have a strong and clear sense that you are in it. I see another factor, a, a distinctive from the Old Testament, is we're required in the New Testament, to emphasize 
that the hearer has to discern for themselves. You see, in Old Testament times, ordinary people didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. That only happened at Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people who, through their track record, became known as prophets, and God used them to speak his word to his people. And so because ordinary people just didn't have the Holy Spirit, therefore they had no supernatural discernment, they had no personal revelation, they had no inspired wisdom, because that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But here's the, the, the flick. We, we do. We have access to all of that. 1 John 2, 26, 27. John wrote, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. False prophecy, maybe. But verse 27, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true. The point is that we each have the Holy Spirit on the inside as our teacher. Paul said that, that, in, that we have the mind of Christ. We all have access to the full counsel of God's written word. We can all hear from God for ourselves. And so prophecy needs to be presented in this light. You must discern. You must ask God for yourself. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 29 explains that the prophecy should always be weighed very carefully. We used to say in the old days, you know, if it doesn't, doesn't sit right, if it doesn't strike a chord, we used to talk to them about putting it on a shelf. You know, that might be a polite way of saying, do you know what, thank you, but you, you love you, but you missed it. Or it might be, you know, maybe, maybe one day, maybe one day I'll think about that again and it'll be absolutely spot on and just right. But for now, I'm just going to store it away. I'm going to put it on the shelf. So, we bring God's prophetic word humbly. And part of our humble posture is this. Here it is. I, I feel that God has something for you but I'll leave it to you to discern. That's number one. Number two is bring it wisely. The most helpful teaching I ever heard on this was by a preacher called Dutch Sheets. And he explains that there are three parts, or potentially three parts to a prophetic word. The first part is the revelation. And the second part is the interpretation. And the third part is the application. So the revelation is the picture or, or the scripture or the message that God shows you in your spirit. That's the revelation. The interpretation is, if that's what God has said, this is what it means for you right now in your context. That's the interpretation. And the application is, Okay, then, so if that is what he said, this is what you now must do. So the key words are, for revelation, it is show, 
for interpretation it is mean, and for application it is do. The, the reality is, folks, sometimes you will only be given the first part, the revelation. Sometimes God will also give you the interpretation. He might also give you the application. But the key is to only bring the bit that God gives you. Don't fall into the temptation. Don't, don't feel the need to add your own extrapolations. Dutch Sheets, I think it was, who told a story about this. A, a, a prophecy was given in a church meeting very similar to this. And I'm going to look at Darren for a minute. Um, Darren's going to be the victim of this prophecy. I've, perhaps I've given the clue away in the use of the word victim. And the, 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 the pervert was, took the microphone and said something like this. I see a dark thunderstorm cloud over your head and I see dollar bills, he's American of course, dollar bills flying around all over you. That was what God had shown him. And he turned and said, God has said to me that you've messed up financially and judgment is coming your way. I pick on Darren because that couldn't possibly be the case with Darren. A couple of days later, the reality came out. Actually, this person had been ruthlessly defrauded by his business partner. And so what should have been a gracious warning was delivered as a judgmental rebuke. So the moral of the story is just present what you, have, what you are sure you have been shown and don't feel the need to add to it. Here's some good news, I think. When it, when it comes to a prophetic word, long doesn't necessarily equal good. Inspired equals good. In fact, just, just a single word can be powerful. Just a simple thought, ju just a, a verse without commentary. Just, just that little simple thing can act as a can opener. Don't feel that you need to embellish to paint the full picture because that's where the flesh can start to get in. Just be obedient to what God has shown you and then leave the rest to him. That's wisdom. I, I also think it should be a great encouragement to us. It doesn't have to be impressive. This is great news. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be detailed. It doesn't have to put boldly predict the future. Our job in this context and every, is simply to be obedient to Holy Spirit prompting. Yeah. Everything else is his responsibility. It's his job to convict. It's his job to reveal. It's his job to teach, not ours. Sometimes I feel, we, we feel as though we need to kind of meddle in, muddle in to all of that. So the next question if God shows me something, should I share it? Should I share it perhaps publicly? Should I share it perhaps privately? And I, I'm going to say this. Just because God shows you something doesn't necessarily mean he's asking you to tell everybody else there and then. Sometimes it might just be to inform your prayers. Always, 
what happens next requires a sensitivity and a wisdom. And I suppose that's the good, the bad, and the ugly thing. I, I, I will share one quick example. There was a young man, one of the churches uh, in Canada, and someone prophesied in strong terms the call of God on their life. Publicly, from the pulpit, special meeting, terrified the living gaylights out of that guy, and he literally ran a mile. Life fell apart, marriage broke up, the whole lot. Walked away from God. And I just wonder, in that situation, whether it was a benefit publicly to say over this young man that, or whether it might have been more wise, perhaps to have gone to the pastor and said, I've got this word about so-and-so, what do you think? Or, you know, perhaps just go away and pray about it. Maybe just pray that over them over the next little while. Bring it wisely. Um, as a church, we've produced a, a little document called Bringing a Word. Here it is. There are copies available at the back. Um, I'd like to go through it just briefly because I think it's helpful. And uh, actually, it, it, it's actually aimed at, at the question, you know, should I come to the front on Sunday morning with what God shows me and should I share it from up here with a microphone? But I think the, the principles here also apply. If you feel that you've been given a word from, for, for somebody any time, any place. If, if you feel you've, you've been given that word and you're asking the question, God, what should I do with that? Then I think these principles are helpful. Our document starts with, with an initial statement that says that as a, as a charismatic church, that means a church that's open to the gifts and the move of the Holy Spirit. We intend to be open and receptive to the leading of the Holy Spirit whenever we meet together. And that means that at times God may well wish to speak to us and through us. That, that may be that the service host on a Sunday morning, that the preacher may be maybe the worship leader, it may be a member of the congregation. Uh, again, it might be, be a scripture verse. I suggest probably not a long passage, because then the danger is you get into preaching. It might be a prayer, it might be a, a picture, it might be a word of knowledge. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul taught the Corinthian church that, that things should be done decently and in order. And therefore, and I'm just working my way through this document really, therefore we ask people to submit what they feel the Lord is saying to the service host first. Re really for three reasons. First of all, for their own confidence. My experience knowing you prophetic people, as I do, is you come forward with fear and trepidation. You know, very rarely do people come striding to the front with a swagger and say, this is my opportunity. It's more a case of, really, Lord? You want to get up in front of those scary people? Put my reputation on the line and share that? So the first part, it's for your own confidence, for the service host to slap you on the back. That's great. Just bring that. That would be a real blessing. So that's the first reason. The second reason is for the protection of the flock. You know, leaders, we have a responsibility to protect you guys Biblical picture is sheep from the wolves. Right, the last thing we want someone coming up here with a microphone and saying, goodness knows what over you. 
Six months then for the leadership to pick up the pieces. And also, the third part of that is to keep the service flow on track. We're going in a certain direction in a certain way. And then the host will then discern whether it's to be shared from the front, how it's to be shared from the front, by whom, when, and so on. And what I would say is that responsibility, is that, sorry, that discernment, is part of the leader's responsibility before the Lord. As I've hinted, particularly if it is a, a word of prophecy that, that might be personal or might be specific or predictive. And so our service hosts make, make tricky and sensitive decisions all the time as they weigh this up. I just ask you please to be gracious with us as we do that. Sometimes we'll, we'll say no. Okay, so, so going back a step for you guys. How do you decide whether you should come to the front and talk to the service host and have the negotiation as to whether you should share or not? And I'd say the answer to that is, is first of all, it should go through four filters in your own mind. And that's why I'd encourage you to take this little sheet, slip it on the inside of your Bible. You can get it out and run it through there and go, yay or nay. So the first question is this, is this from me or is this from God? In other words, is it significantly inspired? It's got to be inspired, I think that's the acid test. You've got to ask yourself, am I I experiencing the, the inward witness of the Holy Spirit here? I like to put it like this, is this, is this a God thought? Or is it just a nice thought? I'd say, God bless you if it's a nice thought. We all love nice thoughts. Maybe save that for another time. What we need is God's thoughts. Right? So that's question number one. Is is this from me or is it from God? Question number two, is this for me or is it for the church? Most of what God says to me is for me, I think. Again, not everything that God says to us must be shared with everyone else. Not everything that you hear from God on a Sunday morning is for the congregation. In fact, I hope you're hearing all sorts of things from God, particularly as his word gets opened up. I'd say sometimes, you know what, it's actually just for you. And that's great. Encourage that. Question number three is, is this about me or is this about God? And our guideline as, as we navigate that is, is there's definitely a place for testimony. Testimonies are great, encouragement, it can be very powerful. But you know what? Personal testimony does not really fit in a time of corporate worship. Because, because it shifts attention away from God and onto us. And I've seen it many, many times, essentially just stop the service dead in its tracks. The indicator, the clue is, if you're in the middle of delivering something and 90% of the people have sat down, that might be a good time to stop. I'm looking around, 100% of the people have sitting down, but I'm plowing on. The fourth one uh, is, is this, is this the right time and place? Is it right for this precise moment? And again, the service host will help you with that. Should it maybe be saved for later? Maybe after the message. 
Maybe in the ministry time. Maybe, maybe for your connect group meeting. The question is, does it fit with the flow of what God is doing that morning? Is it, a, is it an interruption? Is it a redirection? God will do that sometimes, but generally speaking, there's a reason for the flow that we're on. So number one, bring it humbly. You're a humble lot, that's no problem. Number two, bring it wisely. And then number three is bring it graciously. Back into 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, and that, that, that plumb line of, of chapter 13. The love is and will be the underpinning factor in everything God does. And that means that, that the prophetic gifts will be anchored and rooted and grounded in the Father's love. Let's, let's uh, read a little bit of 1 Corinthians 14. We've already read verse 1. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. And then verse 3 says, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. These two verses here explain the purpose of New Testament prophecy. They explain the character and the tone of New Testament prophecy. That is, in the old King James speak, edification, exhortation, and comfort. The Amplified says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for edification, to promote their spiritual growth, and speaks words of encouragement to uphold and advise them concerning the matters of God, and speaks words of consolation to compassionately comfort them. Another verse says, to make people stronger, to give them hope and to comfort them. This is the purpose of New Testament prophecy. This is the objective of New Testament prophecy. This is the tone and character of New Testament prophecy. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. This is what should be brought, and this is how it should be brought. Just break those three down quickly. Edification uh, if, you, if you look up the word in the Greek, it literally means the act of building something or helping it to grow. Repeated uh, New Testament metaphor. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 12 says, Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church, edify the church. I'd, I'd say this, you know what, it's easy to tear down. It's much more difficult to build up. You know, internet trolls that call themselves prophets aren't prophets, they're carnal. Because true New Testament prophecy is characterized by building up. Chris Vallotton is one of the pastors at Bethel, read in California. I love his description. He said that prophets called gold out of dirt. And he says that any critic can talk about dirt, but it takes a prophet to call out the gold. 
So New Testament prophets don't just pinpoint the problem. They highlight divine opportunities. They edify. They build up. They equip. And they spark growth. So number one is edification. Number two is exhortation. Literally means to encourage, to speak words of life, and to impart strength. I, I think this is, isn't really a sweeping statement. I'm, I'm confident that many people live in a, a state of constant discouragement. So the enemy thrives on discouragement. We know what his prophetic word would sound like. You know what? The enemy isn't at all fast at who he'll use to discourage you. doesn't care. Anybody will do. Do you know what? As Christians, as prophetic people, we should be fountains of encouragement. And I thank God for those of you who are. Proverbs 15, 4. Proverbs says a lot about prophetic words, actually. Uh, 15, 4. The soothing tongue. It's a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Proverbs 12, 18, that the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Do you know what? Prophecy exhorts. Prophecy tells people that they can. Prophecy reinforces who they are in Christ. Prophecy reminds people why they're here. Prophecy shines a bright light on their path. Prophecy points them straight at promise. I'd say, let's do that. Let's be known for that. I don't know about you, I'd love to be an encourager, wouldn't you? I'd love the barn to be earth-shatteringly encouraging. I'd love it to be an earth-shatteringly encouraging place. So people walk out of here with their heads high and their hearts full. Amen. What's the line I've been using? I'd love people to walk out of here a couple of inches taller. A couple of pounds lighter. And a couple of encouragements stronger. I'm sorry, it's my sense of humour. So edification, exhortation, number three is comfort. Literally means calming, consoling, and comforting. John 14, verse 16, Jesus introducing the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. He says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So here Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit as a comforter. Now, I don't think this is kind of the North American idea of God the Holy Spirit is a giant duvet. I think it's more the Holy Spirit is an imparter of calmness and strength. In other words, prophets bring comfort by speaking light into darkness and hope into despair and truth into confusion and love into hurt and strength into weakness, and encouragement into discouragement. You know, if, if prophecy is, is a gift of the Holy Spirit, it will reflect his personality. It will reflect his ministry. And that ministry is to come alongside and to bring comfort. Yeah. 
And that, I have to say, is a really precious gift. Okay, nearly done. Let's, let's wrap this up. When we feel we've heard from God, we should always communicate it. Number one, humbly. Number two, wisely. And number three, graciously. You see, our prophetic voice has a posture. And that posture is humility. Our prophetic voice has a tone. And that tone is grace. Our prophetic voice has a purpose. And that purpose is edification and exhortation and comfort. And our prophetic voice has a wisdom. In other words, bringing what God has shown us, only what he has shown us, and to leave the rest to him. Once again, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, we should eagerly desire such gifts. Around here we are, we are determined to leave the door wide open for God to speak. As Eli taught Samuel, Lord, speak. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Now I invite the worship team to come to the front, which is great. We've done well on time today, which is awesome. I'm just going to give you a couple of, of pretty gentle challenge questions really today because this is, a, you know, kind of about growing what, what God has placed inside of you and opening yourself up for God to use you in these ways. I'm just really going to give you two response questions or, or points, really. The first one is, is to make yourself available to God as a prophetic voice. As I've said in previous weeks, prophecy starts with a question. God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? God, how are you moving? How are you already working here? Ask that question. Start, start to, to, to become increasingly available saying, Lord, I know your word is needed here. I know this person, this situation desperately needs to hear from God. And so the first thing we can do is to make ourselves available. And if you don't ask the question, you're probably not going to hear the answer. So the first part of my response is to make yourself available to God, to be that prophetic voice. The world desperately needs that prophetic voice. And the second part of it is this. Ask him to teach you. Ask him to grow you in the prophetic. That's that, that eagerly desire piece again. And that's really why we're weaving our way through this series. One more week to go, I think. And, and the heart is just to kind of stir it on the inside of all of us so we can all start to, to grow. You may well never be standing at the front saying, thus saith the Lord. You know, you may just be using this gift in individual conversations or even as you pray for people. It may never be a public utterance, but that doesn't matter. I'm convinced that God wants to stir the prophetic in all of us. So make yourself available and ask God, Pray that prayer now, prayer now as we respond. Ask God to, to grow you in this area. Is that okay? God bless you. Why don't you stand? I'm going to pray briefly and then we're going to sing. Um, as always, we're going to have a ministry prayer area over here. If, if you'd like prayer um, in a mo, that's great. Just come forward as you're ready. If you want to do what I've just said and pray those big, bold prayers for yourself, then this area over here. Again, it's open, available for you. No one will pray for you 
uh, you're on your own doing business with God. But let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, for the fact that you're a gift giver. Thank you, Lord, that you've not just abandoned us here, but that you want to speak to us. That you have compassion on us. You want to stir your compassion through us. And we recognize we live in a world full of people who need to hear from you. So, Lord, we make ourselves available to be that prophetic voice, that, that humble, wise, gracious voice that you've called. Holy Spirit, would you, would you teach each one of us? Lord, would you grow that gifting in every single one of us? God, we thank you that you're always at work. And now as we respond, as we, as we ponder, Lord, would you just whisper in our ears, show us what we need to take out of this message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.